It's basically impossible to talk about this episode without talking about cultural stuff. I'm going to save that for the end. For various safety-related reasons. So we'll get to that later. I just want to mention something. Remember that whole Data B-plot? Remember that, right? Did you also know there's several scenes in this episode of the Enterprise trying to find Worf, which, as it happens, is completely irrelevant to the story. In fact, it's pure 100% filler. Because it has nothing to do with them finding it. It's not like that Voyager episode where them Voyager tracking them down was actually part of the plot. No, this is irrelevant. The Romulan ship finds them. Okay? You with me so far? This is all important. Because this episode, which was so long they had to stretch it out into a two-parter, had parts that were cut for time. <sighs> just telling you. Making it up as they go. Uh, so, we find out what happened. These Klingons were shackled. They were unarmed. You know, I hate to be morbid, but you can kill yourself if you're unarmed and shackled. If you really want to, it's actually quite hard to do. Uh, no, I'm not talking about trying to hold your breath. No, uh, you go after your tongue. I, don't ask me how I know that. But, um, it's a really horrible way to die. You basically bleed out. Uh, yeah, I don't recommend that for anyone. It's also harder to do than you'd think. You have to really be determined because your body is designed to hold back from harming itself, like literally. Like if you tried to... Please don't ask how I know all this. If you tried to stab yourself, it's actually very likely that you are not stabbing full force. Even if you're intending to because your body is so programmed not to hurt itself that you'll unintentionally like start to pull back right at the last second. Like, whoop! You might still penetrate, but it's you're, you're not going full tilt. You're going more like this. And if you can't tell the difference between those two, trust me, there's a difference. <sighs> Anyways, I suppose death by suicide isn't honorable, although we've actually seen that it is under some circumstances for Klingons, so... I don't know. Here's the important part. These Klingons decided to accept imprisonment and basically losing their lives in exchange for them continuing to exist on this planet in order to prevent cultural external or fake honor from in excuse me dishonor in this case from affecting their families as Worf says at the end of the episode they made a great sacrifice okay yeah yeah no that actually makes a lot of sense but uh i, I mean three years remember that <laughs> we talked about that last time three generations not three years three generations um I gotta ask why the Romulans would take Klingon political prisoners to begin with? Like, surely they know how the Klingons work at least a little bit, right? Anyways. So, um... There was... I, I've heard some people talk about that. In fact, Echeverria himself mentioned this. The idea that maybe the, the Romulan side of things, Tokath, was per, per, portrayed as too sympathetic. Now, I found myself nodding. When I read that, I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. He, Worf kind of came across as the bad guy in this episode. Then I rewatched it, and I was like, what the hell? They actually portray Tokath pretty badly. In fact, the way he's framed is he's part of the, let's call it the older generation. He is racist. Let's just call it what it is. He is racist against Klingons. Worf is racist too, by the way. Worf is racist against Romulans. Um, note his reaction to Bael's ears and how he tries to explain how it's okay that it's not her fault that her father's a Romulan. 
Like, just listen to the way he talks. No, he's racist. He is super biased. There's even this bit where she says, can't you accept me as I am? And his response is, after some thought, I don't know. Yeah, no. <clears throat> but that's the portrayal. The old guard, the people who did grow up with generations of bloodshed and warfare between the two. Both of them... See, the problem is Worf kind of tries to stir the pot, whereas Tokath is trying very hard to keep the pot still, both for their own reasons. They both despise each other, but you could see how, you know, there's a little bit of... Okay, there's a little bit of bridge building, right? The problem is Tokath then is consistently portrayed as someone who is dismissive to the point of almost being insulting to the Klingons. Oh yeah, sure, he's yours, you deal with him. Um, don't worry, he gave his word. He totally won't come back. Get that thing off of my table, etc., etc. This isn't even talking about the execution at the end. In short, I mean, this is about as nice as this could get, but I will give the episode this. This is actually a very well-constructed scenario. Because basically what happened is Tokoth is actually a decent person. I know that sounds strange to call someone who is a racist a decent person, but by the standards, he is actually more nice than not. He really didn't want all these Klingons to die. He really did torpedo his career to take care of them. He really was following his orders, and he really did fall in love with her, and blah, 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 right? I'm not trying to dismiss or even excuse his actions, or Worf's, for that matter. But what I mean is that's why this is such a well-constructed scenario. This was a no-win. The moment they took those Klingon prisoners, they were screwed. Because the only possibilities were imprisonment for life or death. That was it. As soon as that happened. Thanks to the nature of how Klingon culture works. And if we're being honest, a little bit of how Romulan government works as well. But the Klingon culture, if I'm being blunt, is the major obstacle here. Now that sounds like I'm coming down against the Klingons. And it's because I am. Three generations of shame. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess that's not as bad as it could be. It's just, if your grandparents do something, you are still shamed publicly politically, societally, for something your grandparents did. Please try and process that for a second. Now, I know, we're humans, and we should tolerate and respect other cultures. To which I say, bollocks. As always, tolerance and understanding has a limit. And when you start tossing around sins of the father as a cultural norm, I call bull. Now, I'm making this point very hard right at the beginning, because I think it's relevant for the overall theme of the work, which I'm just going to talk about now. I changed my mind. We're going to talk about it right now. Worf's big shtick is that he is trying to reveal the truth of who these people are to them, which um, is an interesting idea. Now, I'm going to go and admit something. I don't really have a culture, okay? Like, I was born here in the United States. Uh, I have family from Eastern Europe and Lebanon, you know, that's that's me, right? Okay? None of that has anything to do with me. I don't have a culture, per se. I have no great history or mythos or anything like that to adhere to or to venerate or to care about. All right? Now, this is not any kind of insult. I'm just trying to give you my perspective. Because I don't have some kind of heritage or anything that matters to me. Right? You with me so far? 
but I know that kind of thing does matter to people. I understand that intellectually. I don't understand it personally, but I understand that intellectually, that people you know, care about their past and care about their history and care about their culture and care about their society and where they came from and what they blah, 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 blah. You get it, right? So on the face of things, Worf teaching these people about clan culture, with it. However, <laughs> however, we do have to also acknowledge that this is the same culture that, and I just made this point, Three generations of shame. That's just for this thing. That's for t being taken prisoner, by the way. We've heard other types of generational shame before. Uh, what is it? The being uh, accused of treason, I think, is ten generations of shame. Something like that. Like, I remember this because the general math is, if you had an ancestor who was alive during the American Revolutionary War, you would still be shamed for that action. <laughs> Roughly just to put that into perspective, how stupid that is. So forgive me, <laughs> I'm all for tolerance, up to a point. Now, let me move on with my point here, because the point is, Worf's entire shtick is not that he is trying to lead a revolution. He is just trying to share the truth. The thing is, that's not true. That's, what, that's from the words of Echeverria, who worked on this episode. I don't agree with that at all. Worf is clearly trying to start a revolution. Now, that makes sense. He is a prisoner, and he's trying to escape. But at every step of the way, he is clearly trying to stir the pot and trying to get these people aware of who they really are, who they should be, who he thinks they should be, in order to push his agenda. Now, if you're paying attention, this is the exact same, Tukoth, same thing Tukoth is doing the entire episode, is he is pushing how he thinks they should be in order to push his agenda. Now, Worf is portrayed in a positive light, because he's the protagonist. Tokoth is portrayed in a negative light, because he's the antagonist. What's most interesting to me is both of these people are both right and wrong. And I think that's actually one of the saving graces of the episode, as weird as that may sound. I don't think it was even intentional. The truth? Sure. There is no reason Worf should not be allowed to teach these people about their history and culture. Absolutely. I do agree with that. Worf using them to push his own agenda? Nah. Worf insisting they act a certain way? Nah. Tokoth? Him trying to promote uh, peace across the racial lines? I mean, you notice he's not the only one who sacrificed his career to stay here. There is a crew here. Has a further addendum, by the way. If I could just segue for just a second. There's quite a bit of Romulan people here, personnel. And they get regular shipments and supplies from the Romulan Star Empire. Why? Actually, I have an answer for that. This is a political prison. This is where Romulans who are out of favor go. Rather than having them executed, this is exile. They get to go here and work at this prison. That's pure headcanon, but it, it fits very neatly, I think. Moving back to the point. <clears throat> so Tokoth, trying to promote... Uh, interactions and relations and friendship between the Romans and Klingons? Yes, absolutely. Tukoth um, insisting Worf can't leave for reasons that are never actually described. Uh, no. Tukoth trying to execute Worf for being a threat to the... No. So you see what I mean by both sides are right and wrong. Now... What I think would have been really cool, the episode doesn't play this out properly, is if it was really down to choice. If it, it would have been really awesome if someone stood up and said, Both of you, shut up! 
You want us all to be Klingon. You want us all to be whatever this is. What about we want what we want to be? Bael would have been a perfect pick for that, actually. You notice she stays, by the way. She stays behind. Because, of course, some are going to stay behind. Why shouldn't they? <laughs> that, to me, would be a far a greater point. Rather than trying to, you know, like I said, push agendas, they are given the truth and with that decide what to do. Worf does at least make one very correct move right at the end here. He says, your parents are making a huge sacrifice for you. You can never talk about this. And he's right, because Klingon culture is messed up. <laughs> so, having talked about the big point of the episode, I don't actually have much else to say about the episode proper. Uh, Worf tries to escape. Uh, Talk is the one who stops him, basically by accident. Why don't they want him to leave? I mean, he ends up leaving. Whatever, whatever. Uh, so Mendak, excuse me, Tokath, uh, tries to limit him. Worf starts to teach his kalinetics. He does it... Now, at first you might be thinking, aha, he's just doing it on his own and they're the one who shows interest. Uh, no, if he was doing that, he'd do it in the privacy of his own room. Now, he goes out in the open to practice this so he can get their attention. Again, he is pushing an agenda this whole episode. I know, he's a prisoner. <laughs> I don't blame him for that part because he is trying to escape. But at the same time, he kind of isn't. Like, he stops trying to escape basically after the initial push, and he's just, nah, I'm just going to teach these people what it means to really be Klingon. Which, while we're on the subject, Worf is like one of the worst people to teach that, since he wasn't raised Klingon. At the same point, Worf is one of the best people to teach that, because he wasn't raised Klingon. No, seriously. This is what I call Son of Moog effect, which I believe is up on the Lorium's page, but if it isn't, it will be at some point. It's the idea of someone who adheres to the ideals of something without the reality of something, usually because they didn't actually grow up living it. Worf is the perfect example of that, the ideals of Klingon culture. But every time we actually get insight into actual Klingon culture, it kind of runs into that because of reality. You know, the corruption, the infighting, the internecine politics. The Klingon High Council is as backbiting and Ferengi of any political organization we ever see in Star Trek. It's probably one of the most... Uh, I don't know, I don't know what, what word to use here. If you envision corrupt politicians, that archetype is what the Klingon High Council is. And they are one of the worst examples of it in the entire franchise across every show. <laughs> this is true. It, it, across multiple series, I feel like pointing out. Anyways, <clears throat> so the Son of Moog effect is definitely taking place, so you can see why he'd be a good person to teach Klingon culture. He even talks about the nature of tales, the stories of Kalos. I just want to mention very briefly that what he talks about is a great example of what I refer to as a tale. A tale is not something that you're supposed to think actually happened. He cried tears until the ocean filled and was overflowing. Yeah, that didn't happen. That's not what happened. That doesn't make any kind of sense. But that's okay, because it's a tale, not a story. Make sense? A tale is all about the point. It's trying to get across an idea or a concept, um, like a morality play, or maybe it's trying to just uh, venerate some particular point of history or whatever. The point isn't, it, isn't for it to be a story, which is the point. But... So, then there's a romance of the week for some reason. It's okay, guys. 
It's okay. Not everyone's single in the 24th century. So here's Worf getting together with Libby for one week. Oh, God, poor Harry. I just realized how that sounds. Ah. Uh, ah, uh, anyways. Um... So we talk about the hunt. Yes, the hunt. Note that he goads talk, then compliments him, then corrects him. I only point this out because Worf's actually a really good teacher. We know this because of the Kalinetics program, but each time he's shown, he's a good teacher with one exception. Every time he tries to teach Alexander, he fails miserably at it. Just interesting to think about. Anywho, so then he says, no, I give you my word that I will not try to escape. Which is interesting, because he goes along with that. And then, of course, Bael asks the relevant question. Would I be allowed to visit Romulus? <laughs> now, i got to be honest, if I was her father, I'd be like, okay, look, I'm not going to restrict you from going to Romulus, but I want you to understand how bad of an idea that would be. And I would spend time and effort explaining to her in excruciating detail how unpleasant it would be for a Klingon to visit Romulus. Once I was done, I would encourage her to rethink it several times before I actually accepted letting her go. Because holy crap. I would in the end. I do believe very firmly in the concept of choice, but I also believe very firmly in the concept of an informed choice. Anywho. So, um, you know, the execution thing happens. They'll kill you, but they'll not defeat me. Uh, the end. The episode ends. Okay, cool. Why did this guy come for Worf, specifically? Like, that's never explained. He's just... just why? I guess it was because of the fact that he knew these were Kittimer survivors, I guess, but how did he find out about them? There's some weird holes in the story that could have been filled, but no, no, we ran out of time, so that's why we have filler scenes and an entire B-plot to stretch this out into a two-parter. Don't mistake me, Birthright 1 and 2 aren't bad episodes, not by a long shot. But they're really, really weird, especially when you sit down and analyze them. Hang on, let me turn off my brain for a second. Okay, there we go. There's not enough action. Okay, brain back on. Uh, okay, there we go. What did I say? I didn't say anything stupid, did I? Well, even if I did, I hope you've enjoyed. I'll see you next time.